You know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people, and that's what we care about. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined for this Liverpool review episode by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and town fan Dan Barrett-Davis is back with us for this episode. Gents, how are we? Pretty good after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're all good. Thank you. How are you? We yeah. never ask that, do we? You never do. No right. one gives a shit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't all, think anyone cares how we are, to be fair. All, all, good, uh, all good with me as well. Before we come on to the positives, of which there were many, we must address the one negative on the evening. That is, of course, the chanting. With the eyes and ears of the world on us, it was unfortunately heard coming from the Luton end, a chant of always the victim, it's never your fault. Now I sit in the Kenworth end and I heard it, and it was picked up on by Jamie Carragher as part of the TV coverage, quite rightly so. I'm not here to second guess who sung it or even why whoever sung it did sing it. But what I will say is that if you sung it in relation to Heisel and us subsequently not being able to compete in Europe or in relation to Hillsborough, you are pretty sick and our club doesn't need you. In fact, football doesn't need you. We're going to speak an awful lot about perspective in this episode and you seriously, seriously need to get some. Innocent people died in both of those incidents. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons and daughters all went to a football match like the three of us on this podcast did yesterday. We returned home to our families. Those who died were not afforded the same privilege. To make fun of that in any form is completely and utterly wrong and unacceptable. I've been to Hillsborough many times since that fateful day, and I always feel uneasy about the place, even though the safety has improved a lot since then. Thankfully, many supporters that um, were there that day did return home to their loved ones, but they still had to witness the horrific incidents firsthand. Neither they nor the relatives of those who lost their lives in those tragedies need to be reminded of them more than 30 years on. If you didn't sing it with either tragedy in mind, may I respectfully suggest that you look into the historical nature and context of anything that you do sing, not just because of who might be offended by what you sing, but also because tragedy chanting these days of any kind now brings with it a stadium ban and potential criminal charges, and I think we all agree quite rightly so. It might have been the 20th century the last time Luton Town were playing many of these teams in the top flight, but it is the 21st century now. Let's leave the unsavoury chance where they belong, which is firmly in the past. That sentiment is also extended to the Feed the Scousers chant. Again, you might sing it as some warped banter, but in the real world we live in a country where people, including those in our very own town, rely on food banks every single day. To ridicule poverty is unnecessary and it's wrong. We have so many great chants about our manager, about our players and about our club. We can make Kenilworth Road intimidating without the need to resort to such appalling chants. These are fantastic times to be following Luton Town. Please don't get yourself banned from doing it. Anything to add on that, gents? Yeah, well, just better than that, at least. Um, yeah, don't do it again and um, 
Let's talk some football, shall we? Let's talk some football indeed. That and, oh, sorry, I'll just point out that the club faces charges as well. If you want your club to keep facing these charges because of the of these incidents, then stop coming. Simple as that. Otherwise, perfectly summed up. Yep. I think you could tell in the tone of my voice, uh, I was pretty horrified by the chance and I have no affiliation to Liverpool Football Club whatsoever. We apologise for anyone who was offended and hope it didn't ruin your day or your watching um, abilities. Football. Football. My God, there was some football. <laughs> well, not eh? uh, To be honest, I don't know why they bothered playing the game. Because if you go back to the preview podcast, I told everyone it's going to end one each. So they could have saved themselves the energy. <laughs> Ever and modest. we could have all just saved ourselves for Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what a day, though. What, Can I just say, you never heard me talking like this in the Everton preview uh, review when I got the prediction right. We must have like, edited. Not like I don't we, mention it. We must have edited that bit out once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's yeah. gloss over this, shall we, Dan? Yeah. Convenient. Yeah. That, isn't it? Shall we move on? <laughs> <laughs> we did play the game, though. Let's, let's uh, remember Yeah, that. and actually... <laughs> I obviously, I jest, but it was good that we played the game because what a bloody game of football it was. I don't know what it is about Luton v Liverpool Kenilworth Road, James, but whenever they come down here, it always seems to turn into a cracking game of football. No matter what the divisions, no matter how many league places there are between us, all the budgets and everything else seem to just get chucked out the window and the two teams just have a good old going at it and um, may the best team win, or in Sunday's case, neither, because they kind of cancelled each other out a little bit before going to the actual game itself the team one change from the Aston Villa uh, team but a pretty big change Andros Townsend started his first game for the club his first home game first game at Kenilworth Road started on the right hand side instead of Jacob Brown I think we kind of thought Jacob Brown was kind of vulnerable weren't we said it in the preview podcast we thought it might be Elijah that came in it wasn't it was Andros Townsend and what what did you make of that, first of all? I thought it was a fantastic start from him. He got stuck in, didn't he? Proper blood and thunder stuff. Uh, totally gets it. Um, and his quality was there full to be seen. It's sort of just that little bit of composure when you get impressed. And I think that's probably why he got brought in because Rob, Joe, Rob Edwards sorry, talk, talked about how they're... Um, <laughs> I don't know where I got Rob Jones from. There, there's a Liverpool player. He used, to, he used to play for Liverpool in the nineties, uh, didn't Rob he? Rob Edwards. Yeah. He talked about how uh, Luton are going to have to try and beat that press to get any advantage, and um, you know they did frequently. I mean, people, look at the stats; it was only sort of twenty nine percent possession yeah. the whole game. But when they had it, and when they pressed at the right moments, it was bloody exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one says that you have to have ball all the time, but when you have the ball, you've got to do something with it, which we didn't do at Aston Villa. Well, we couldn't really get out of Aston Villa, but Andros Townsend, he gave us an hour down that right-hand side, probably still not quite ready for 90 minutes, certainly not in a game of that magnitude and intensity. But it worked, didn't it? He, he gave us a more of a steadying sort of composure on the ball. He, he helped out Issa Kabore down that side. And for the time that he was on the pitch... He looked pretty good. He did, yeah. I think his experience told as well that, let's not forget, Andros has played the majority of his time, barring his loan spells. He's played a lot of his career in the Premier League with Spurs and Everton, played for England as well. So he's he's no, he's no average Joe, is he? He's, he's a, a good quality footballer. We're lucky to have somebody like him come in there. And I, th- I think with Barkley and Nakamba in the middle there, they sort of complemented each other. Um, 
and it showed. You know, I mean, marvelous does what he what marvelous does. He presses, doesn't give up, and he, he, he you know nicks the ball off people. Barkley can do that as well, but Barkley can play a little bit, and Andros can run around and do all the all the legwork. Um, so they they complement each other really well, and then like you say, they can release Kabori, they can release Doughty on the other side, and it, it makes for a good, really really good central midfield three. And I, I honestly can't wait to see Andros complete a ninety, and I don't think we're too far off that. I think they've got to manage him carefully because he hasn't played in the best part of a year and a half, and he has struggled with injuries um, a lot through his career, to my memory. Um, but yeah, same with Barkley building his minutes up as well. We're, we're starting to see like what what Ross Barkley can do, and we always know we've always known that in the quali- in what quality he has. I've said it before in previous podcasts um, that we know once we get a fit Ross Barkley, we're going to get some player. And the same with Townsend, and it's it's only going to benefit the club even more because we're still we're still learning that level, we're still adapting, and it helps having guys like that in there that have played the league before. They know what it's about, and it, it gives the other players that are stepping up and trying to make their mark and stamp on things. Because if, if you're coming up from the championship, you need to prove that you're a Premier League player, and you're under a lot, a lot of pressure to um, reach those levels. And I think having people like Townsend, Barkley, Nakamba, etc., gives you that extra bit of confidence, extra little bit of know-how, because they'll be passing the info on to people. And I think I think a lot of our players are really benefiting from that. Yep. Wouldn't disagree with that. The one thing Rob said that we did need to do in order to beat their press was accept the ball under pressure. And that's something that Townsend's more than capable of doing. Yeah, he was perfect at it, um, as was Barkley, a couple of others as well. I mean, there were so many players in that side last night that put in their best performance in a Luton shirt. Um, but because we haven't seen, we've only seen flashes of Townsend mm. um, when he's come on. And it's been impressive flashes, which did merit him getting the start. Um when you see it up close, really, we're talking now Premier League quality. You know, we're still getting used to it, but when you see it, it's unmistakable, and he's he's got that ability just to, um, you know, almost create space for himself with his first touch, and then and then his eyes are up, and you're seeing what's on, and that's perfect for what Luton had to do against Liverpool because the, it was it, you had to play counter attacking. You can try and go toe to toe with Liverpool if you want; you'll get battered. Yeah, um, they'll do that to most teams in Europe. But um, if you, the, I think the tactics were absolutely spot on yesterday, and um, he was a big part of that. I think. Yep, he was. James mentioned about being up close to him. We got him right up close to him because after the game, he caught up with Andros for a pre-match. Uh, sorry, for a post-match uh, analysis, and here's what he had to say. Personally, it was this my first start in almost two years, so it was amazing to be out there. Um, to be contributing again, and as a team, it was amazing to mi- be able to mix it with the best in the in the league, and if if not Europe, to come in disappointed with a point is is such an amazing thing for Luton Town. Um, the belief going into the next games we have with United and after the international break, City Arsenal, um, it's great for the belief to know we can go to these sides and 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 and, and mix it with them and deserve three points. So here, yeah, no, it was a great day all in all, but we're a little bit disappointed we didn't get three points. My mindset was just enjoy it. Um, like I said, I've had some dark days, um, the rehab, um, not thinking that I'll ever get this day again. So for me, I just enjoyed that uh, that feeling of playing again, whether I lasted 90 minutes, 60 minutes, 45 minutes. I was just going to give my all in the time that I was on the pitch and the manager made the change at 60 minutes and my replacement scores a goal. So uh, it was amazing. 
Yep, really looking forward to seeing Andros doing 90 minutes when that comes along. And I wouldn't have thought it's going to be too long before we hear that his contract's been extended because he's clearly good enough, clearly likes it here. All parties appear to be happy and it would make absolute sense for him to be here until at least the end of the season where we know where we are one way or another. Let's go into the game then. Mm-hmm. First half, I think Jamie Carragher on Sky called it a bit of a basketball game which presumably means we attacked, they attacked, we attacked, they attacked. Barkley had the first chance, shot straight at Allison. Mm. Then it was the Darwin Nunes show, scared, <laughs> whatever it was from Darwin Nunes, it was that, wasn't it? He certainly put himself about. He did. Uh, thankfully, his radar was, well, nowhere near the goal, apart from that one that clipped the top of the crossbar. And... Um, the longer the half went on, I thought that Luton were getting more and more into it, very much like that Tottenham game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I wasn't on the um, preview podcast, but I was saying outside to my group of mates before the game that I felt that we'd be very lucky to get out of it without getting absolutely hammered. Um, the greatest of respects to my own team because I'm usually really optimistic. Um, but I'm also realistic and, I, you know... Liverpool play a certain way and they get results because they're good at how they play and what they do to people. And when they're on form, they're on it. And I really felt that we just matched them for the majority of the game. I I felt that, you know, we we had to sort of weather it. We knew the first half was going to be key, like it was with Tottenham and in in ways as well, like it was with Villa, because we had to really sit and absorb that and try and contain them as much as possible. Unfortunately, Villa unpicked us in that first half and then shortly after the second half and then obviously Spurs we'd got picked out um, but the longer the second half went on it just felt like you know I remember saying to my friend next to me I said we're going to get a goal here we're going to go in front at some point um, which is absolutely madness considering I thought before and we'd be lucky to get nil <laughs> yeah um, so we get to nil nil sorry we get to half time nil nil mm. And we've spoken relentlessly over the last month about that first 10 minutes of the second half. Been a problem. Wasn't a problem on Sunday, though. Defenders defended like Trojans. They didn't really have a chance in those 10 minutes. So whether there was an emphasis and a focus on keeping them out for that 10 minutes, I don't know. But once that 10 minutes did break, like Dan said, we started getting on the ball, going forward a bit more. Chio was, I mean, he had... Trent Alexander-Arnold on absolute toast, <laughs> didn't he? I mean, there's just no other way of describing it. He did. Had a shot that went straight into the keeper's arms. And then you kind of felt the real turning point for the town was when Mengi gave him the ball and he looked at Alexander-Arnold and he was like, right, let's go, son. What have you got? And he whizzed past him, whizzed past Kanate, squared it to Morris, who just couldn't quite beat Alisson. But that move there was what football fans loved to see, wasn't it? And it was a sign of what was to come. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been banging on about um, Chio all season. Mm. Unbelievable pace. Um, yeah, I don't think the stats are wrong or the facts are wrong where people say that he's the fastest player in the Premier League other than Kyle Walker. So that's going to be a fantastic battle when that comes along. But mm. yeah, um, Trent, couldn't, he couldn't cope with it. He tried to muscle him off of the ball as well. He got swatted aside. And the only thing about that move, I think, is that I think Chio was with it was within his own rights to take the shot. I don't think he needed to square it to uh, Carlton. But I think it was that shot earlier in the half that was kind of mishit stroke, not the best hit, mm. that he's kind of thought, well, that was not great. 
Morris is there, I'll give it to him mm. kind of thing. Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, he's, maybe he has to learn a bit of selfishness when he, when he's done that, really, because that's going to be a feature. That's if he can. Th- th- there's nothing. Um, uh, there's nothing uh, nuanced or trickery about it. It's just purely forty yards of grass in front of him. Knock it past him, run past because that's what, he's got that talent. It's it's an incredible weapon that he's got that Luton can utilize. Maybe he also thought. Do you know what Morris has done bloody well to keep up with me after I've stuck the afterburners on? I suppose I'll have to give him the ball. <laughs> He's a better yeah. shot than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was just that um, half a yard that Trent tried to knock him out, uh, knock him off the pitch, and he wasn't having that at all. And he was, was nearly just... sat next to me then. <laughs> yeah. It was really, um, it, was, it was thrilling stuff, and um, yeah, to, to see him do that against top draw opposition. We've seen him do it all season, really, but really when you're coming up against Liverpool. That's, um, you know, probably title challenges you'd, you'd, you'd fancy yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, not, not that they showed it yesterday, um, mm. that, but that's, that's, not, that's, to say, that's not to say that they didn't have chances. Let's not gloss over that. They, you know, Darwin Nunez hit the bar and then towards the end they had a... Um, Golden chance. I don't know how he missed it, uh, but he's had nine, what nine shots or something like that. Kaminsky's mm. made a few saves as well. Um, you know, he got man of the match. He made a lot of saves, and you have to be there. And um, fair play to him. He's a very good goalie. I think most of them were at him. They were, but he still had to make them. And you know, we've seen keepers before wearing Luton jerseys and not get those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd wager last season. Uh, one or two of those might have gone in, no disrespect to the incumbent between the sticks then. I mean, we, we're always going to have to ride our luck, right? Yeah. But I don't think any of us expected us to ride it to the extent that Salah can't even put the ball towards goal when he tries and blatantly scores a header. And yeah. then, I mean, I, th- I think if Salah- anyone's got an answer, send me the postcard of to how Nunes has missed that. Because, I mean, <laughs> on that, I mean, everyone was giving it large. At Adebayo, right, after the Tottenham game. I mean, mm. this one's hold my beer and some, isn't it? I mean, it is, yeah. uh, it's a horrendous miss. For me, it, it's almost like Rich Allison, Adebayo and Darwin Nunes want the award for the worst miss of the season at Kenworth Road Award. Because um, all three of them were, you should bloody well score those. And obviously, I'm glad two of those didn't go in. Can't have it all some ways, you know. But it's it's a bad miss and Salah doesn't, miss chances like that from that from that close either and I felt Salah was slightly wrapped in up in Gabe Osho and Alfie Doughty because I felt they had him on toast most of the game it was it was more like as we and this is what you're saying about Luton growing into the game as the first half goes on and then as the second half goes on I, I just felt like Salah wasn't able to work a way round because I think the and I do think it's it's to do with Kenilworth Road and next season. I think you know should we stay up this season? I think next season the bigger clubs will work a way round playing on such a tight pitch because they'd have had this year to do it. Um, but Salah just couldn't find a way round us, and it played into our hands a little bit. I felt because we could sort of get the ball off, and some of the one-touch passing was fantastic. I thought that we were doing, you know, we sort of showing Liverpool that if you play on a tight pitch like this, you can do this, you know, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, 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 they should have scored a lot of the chances they had, really. Um, I, I don't recall us having too many. 
and I think we had a couple that straight straight at the keeper or straight and Rose added the Kenny end or. But we knew that anyway, didn't but, we? It's like you, yeah. you've got to ride your luck, and yeah, of course and, you and have. That's what happens? Yeah, so. exactly. It's like Kev said. You know, we, we are going to have to ride our luck a lot this season, and and football, a lot of the time, is about riding your luck. You know, and you you get chances given to you, you get get them, get the decisions going against you, and you know some clubs will feel like more goes against them than for them. And but it, it's football, and it happens. We we know that we're not stupid people. You know, we you know obviously we're Luton fans, but we know when. You know, we thought. I mean, we got lucky here. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and you take those. You take those. When it goes against you, it's a little bit crap, and you feel a bit upset about it. But you, you you're grounded enough to know that this happens everywhere. It's it's nothing against us or anything like that. It's it's just football and how it works, which sucks at times. But it is what it is. I think the only person of a Liverpool persuasion that was relieved that Nunes missed was Dean Saunders, who. Did so 30-odd years ago. We incorrectly called it on the preview podcast, didn't we? We accused him of being Ronnie Rosenthal. Sorry, yeah. Dean, and indeed, sorry, Ronnie. But, but Ronnie did make an absolute gaffe at Villa Park, at Villa though, Park. didn't he? he, he did. um, and he had, a, he had a shot late on in that game, actually, Ronnie Rosenthal. So I was mixing up the two. But He made an absolute gaffe joining that lot down the road as well, but <laughs> can't all be... <laughs> but either way, yeah, Saunders will be pleased Nunes missed that because... That one might be shown in the years to come rather than the uh, the Saunders one. Um, and that was on grass as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so we're going deeper into the second half. Subs have been made. Townsend's gone off after a brilliant hour. On to come Chongy. Uh, two other subs have also been made. Carlton Morris goes off 15 minutes from time again. Absolutely ran his bollocks off. That's absolutely fine. Uh, Elijah comes on. Chio goes off with what we understand is some sort of tightness in his hamstring. Nothing too drastic, we hope. On comes Jacob Brown. Jacob Brown comes on to defend a corner. And literally 20 seconds later, one of the best moves I've seen on a, from a Luton team for a long time ensues. There's a little bit of pandemonium in the box, isn't there? But Mr. Calmness himself, and we will elaborate on Ross Barkley shortly because... We're going to do it on every podcast, I think, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Yeah. He heard it was a challenge. I think it was from Elliot. And then he's away and you're like, please, please, Ross, please show us your best and pick the right pass. He picked the right pass. Issa Kabore, please, Issa, don't stick this one in the middle of the Kenny like you've done a couple of times this season. <laughs> he didn't. He rolled in Chongi. And as soon as it beat the goalkeeper, you just knew where it was. And my God, the scenes. I've celebrated some goals in my time in that Kenoff engine boat, but I was was going absolutely ballistic. It was brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) It it was. It was absolutely fantastic. I've done myself a little bit of mischief on the side here, um, (laughs) just by virtue of me being old. and Mate, I've got bruises in places. I didn't know you could be bruised from celebrating that Um, goal. My my mate (laughs) twisted her ankle. Well, there you go. Because of the step right. There's a, there's a lot of people limping in Luton today, I should imagine. But um, yeah. happily too. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic move, and um, it, it. I was going to say it owed everything to Barkley, but it also uh, Issa Gabore. I thought it was by far his best performance in a Luton shirt, defensively and uh, attacking. Uh, and obviously that moment was the attacking. But first of all, what a player we've got in Ross Barkley, which we, we knew we've talked about on this uh, podcast before, but Mm. um, it was all about whether he can get to that back to that standard that we, we we know he could. Um, 
and I feel that Luton's a good club for him to be at because he'll get the love from certainly the, the, the players and the coaching staff. And now I think he's going to get that from the Luton fans who were quite rightly a bit suspect about whether he was going to um, pull it off and whether it was going to make it good. Um, and, and I think I probably had half of those doubts as well. I'm not, not ashamed to admit it, but he's last night was, you know, vintage Ross Barkley. And that move obviously will sum it up. You, you'll have seen it more than anything because you just watch it over and over I'm again. I'm only on about 12 million reruns <laughs> yeah. of it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. It's just brilliant. <laughs> exactly. But it, his pure composure just to turn out of that situation, be strong, hold off a challenge. Um, Sees Canate coming from behind him, waits until he's right there, then releases the pass. How yeah. many people, I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was on the BBC. No, I, I actually... I you think watched it, me playing this as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where I saw it, but someone said Barkley was the only player on that pitch who wouldn't have just hoofed it away in panic. Mm, yeah, I, I think so. Based on the performance uh, yesterday, he was so composed, waiting for the right moment to do everything. The ball into Isakabure was perfect, right in Doesn't front of him. Doesn't have to check his run. Doesn't check his stride. And, and then it's up to Issa to pick out Chongi, who's absolutely pelting it into the box and with his arm up calling for it. You can see it all day long. He's just got to deliver the cross. And let, let's be fair, he hasn't always this season. That's not exactly that. He hasn't always, but that was absolutely perfect. It took Alisson completely out of the situation to where he just has to slide it in and I guess do what we, we thought Elijah would have done against Spurs. But <laughs> at that point, like with 10 minutes of normal time to go, you're just like, Wow, is this really happening? Mm. And when they started doing the VAR check, I was like, for God's sake, what's good? What, just give the goal. Oh, they're just like trying to <laughs> suck the joy out of football, aren't they? It's like, See, yeah. what are you going on about? They didn't suck the joy out of it for me because I was convinced, obviously I've known that the referee's got his finger to his ear, so there's a VAR check going on. No one in the stadium yet again knows what's going on. I would, I just thought he was... VAR checking it for offside. Now I'm in the kennel of end, but I can see Chom's well behind the defender. No offside. I'm just going mental and mental and mental. I'm mm. just celebrating it. Then I get home and they had a ref- <laughs> they had a check for a penalty. I'm like, what the fuck? Where did that yeah. come from? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... At least give us a chance of knowing what's going on. Well, exactly. I mean, they're calling for it. Barkley, it's Barkley's arm, it hits, but he's not even facing the play. You can't give that. I mean, I've got, I've got no... I don't begrudge Liverpool for calling for it because they're trying to get a result as well out of that. But uh, it's not a penalty. But it's not a penalty at all. And no. um, But everything after that was just absolutely sublime. And I mean, if you're looking for goal of the season, that's going to be up there at the, at the end of season. Trust the wards, that's going to be in there. Absolutely. In terms, in terms of the move and the, the quick transition in play as well. Yeah, definitely up there. And, and what I liked most about it, Dan, well, it's probably not most, but what I liked about it, five men in that counter-attack. Mm. There were the three that were involved in it. Brown was busting a gut to get up there and Elijah was busting a gut to get up there. Mm. To be fair to the five defenders, they were like, crack on, we ain't coming. But five five up there. Now, right at the start of the season, we were doing these podcasts and we were like, we're getting into these great areas, but there's no bugger in the box. Yeah. But five of them were, it was five, it was five on three at one point. Yeah. And um, okay, Chong was the only one who managed to get into the box, but that's only because of where the other two were defending from. Well, if we, if well. we're going in that number... Yeah, that that's a positive, isn't it? That says to us, we're brave enough to send that many men up against. I mean, let's not forget ten minutes to go against the second best team in the country. If we're letting Man City have the have the top spot, 
there's a lot of teams in our position who are like, don't 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 worry going forward. We'll take our we'll take what we got with ten to go. Yeah, not us. Five men, get up there, get the goal. Yeah, and I, th- I think that was probably planned. To be honest, I think you know, going back to the half-time team talk at nil-nil, you think right, let's weather the fifteen twenty in the second half, like we had to in the first half. Just do that, and then we'll we'll look at it, we'll assess the situation, see where we're at, and then last ten fifteen minutes. I remember John still doing this quite a lot. He'd he'd try and hold hold a game. Sometimes he'd do it at home, and that used to frustrate us a little bit. But you trusted John what he was doing. Um, and then he'd, he'd bring a sub on, go a bit more attacking, and just go right, go for it. And I, I kind of think we did that a little bit. Might not have shown in the substitutions as such. I think it was it was more replenishing, like knackered players that had run the bollocks off for seventy odd minutes or whatever they played. But I think you know, you know, if if we get a chance to counter attack, just go. Let let five five players stay back and just commit a few forwards. Marvellous ain't going to run all that way because he likes defending and he he's a, he's a good pretty good living off of it. <laughs> you know the back three it was superb all night. You know if it did come back you you bank on them to sort it out. And like you said against one of the top sides not just in the country but Europe as well. And it it was reminiscent a bit of the Mike Newell days when we went three nil three one up against them when they were European champions. It was that kind of guile and guts and belief. And it it was just very typical Luton to do that, and it I think some it is something the the home crowd have been craving for a little while since we got up there. I think we've we've been looking for a performance like that where we're we're, we're really positive, and we were whiskers away from a result that we wanted. We were. Then you look at the clock, eighty two minutes. Oh Christ, this is going to be a long eight minutes. And then they double that with another eight minutes. No one mm. wanted Liverpool to score, right? In over Luton persuasion, no one wanted Liverpool to score. But we, no one I spoke, Liverpool did. <laughs> I spoke um, <laughs> right at the start of this podcast about perspective, and once Luis Diaz came on the pitch, football doesn't really take on any importance or anything like that. You know, we're given what he's going through, mm. and I guess if some if someone was going to score for Liverpool, that made it a little bit easier to digest for Luton fans. It's him, and to be fair to him. He's made a good run. He hasn't headed it, has he? He's come off his shoulder and gone over um, Kaminsky, but, you know, you can't hold that against him. But to have the bollocks to go onto a football pitch, with all that going on off the pitch, I've got to say, I'm a Luton fan through and through. Don't really hold any Liverpool connections or anything like that. But Mr Diaz, fair play to you, because I ain't doing that. Yeah, I I don't know how he's got... They used to call that in WWF intestinal fortitude, didn't they? I don't know how (laughs) he's... I don't know how he's managed to even be in the country, let alone be on a football yeah. pitch. He's, I thought he'd be in Colombia and stuff like that. So horrible, horrible situation. What's going on? You can't even fathom what that oh, must be like. Man, yeah, you just can't. I, I think there's. I mean, what I've reading that there might be some noises that they're, they're negotiating to let him go, or there's some sort of spokesperson for the people that have taken him said he might it might be going letting him go soon. So hopefully that happens. But yeah, I mean, football is just a silly game, really, isn't it, uh, against stuff like that. Um, so, you know, on sort of humanitarian grounds and the human level, can't begrudge him. That is a, it's a good boost for him in what's probably been an absolutely horrific couple of weeks for for him and his family. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't want them to score, obviously, and um, I, I still... It's a bit annoying that they did score, but yeah. you've got to separate it. You can separate it, I think, if you're sensible. Yeah, it was a kick in the bollocks. And mm. then when you realised who it was who scored, 
you can kind of take it a little easier. And we just reiterate what we said in the preview podcast. We really hope that situation sorts itself out safely, wisely, and that Luis Diaz and his family uh, can be together as quickly as possible. Let's hear from a couple of the heroes then uh, over the course of the evening, and then we'll discuss well our own thoughts on two or three good players. Let's speak to the goal scorer. We sent James out to uh, get the thoughts of Tahith Chong after scoring his first goal for the club. I think I was asking for it for a couple of seconds, though. I think as soon as I got the ball, I think my hand went went straight into the air. Um, but I think it's you know so much in the moment um, of thinking of just you know let me hit it in the back of the net first, and then we'll think about um, the rest. But like I said, I think the goal don't happen you know without Russ doing the, the turn and playing Issa and then Issa playing a perfect ball. But not only them two, you know, I think just the whole team the way we defended the corner first. So I think the goal doesn't happen without the rest of the team really. I think there's obviously slight disappointment in terms of conceding last minute, but I think everyone in there is super proud of the team, uh, the team effort, but not only the team effort, you know, the fans and, and even the staff, you know, what we've been being able to, to achieve on the pitch. I think for us it's important to just keep working hard and keep improving game by game as we've been doing. And we also sent James in to catch the thoughts of the man who masterminded uh, that 1-1 draw, Rob Edwards. Here's what he had to say in his post-match press conference. My overriding feeling is pride. Um, we're all winners, we're all ambitious, we want to win for games of football and when you won the luck in the 93rd, 4th minute against Liverpool, of course we want to win the game. But um, overall, it's probably not. Um, maybe they'd feel be hard done by if we'd have won that, if we would have won that game. Um, they're going to be the dominant team. We know that. We, uh, but we had a real plan and the players committed to it. And um, yeah, we got close. You know, we got close. So my overriding feeling is pride, not not disappointment tonight. There's a bit of what if or if only. Um, but the players gave absolutely everything, and they're Liverpool Football Club. That's why they are. Who they are. They found a way. Found a way to get a result from uh, from a difficult situation. My emotions were—I was very excited, obviously—but then you start, there's two reasons why I didn't over-celebrate and leg it down. You know, the whole touchline was VAR. I was thinking, like, is, is there going to be some kind of check going on? Which there was, and then um, there's still probably enough time for Liverpool to get back four goals in that <laughs> in that time anyway. So I thought, I don't want to over-celebrate. Just try and concentrate. Um, so, yeah, great feeling. It was a brilliant goal, wasn't it? Um, and those are the moments that we're going to get against teams like that. The counter-attacking moments, the set pieces. We're not going to have loads of control in their final third. Um, so it was really good that the, the players were clinical. Uh, you know, I think something we've been t- talking about and working on a lot over these last few weeks. I thought what we were brilliant at tonight. I thought we were, we were really good when we won the ball back. We didn't kick it straight back tonight. We knew we had to make two or three passes. We knew we had to accept the ball under pressure. I thought we were, you know. Very rarely tonight, maybe towards the end when we were, when we were defending a lot deeper, but very rarely did we just kick it straight back to Liverpool tonight. We accepted the pressure, we accepted their press, and Ross was a big part of that. He's able to wriggle out of um, out of pressure, find the space, and we retained the threat. You know, I thought the threat, you know, Chio's pace is the obvious one, but by making those two or three press passes and then finding some space, it retained the threat in the game. So Liverpool were still thinking, oh, they, well, they've got they've got a bit of something there. Do you know? We know we need to get more points. We haven't got enough points so far, but you know we've got some, and we've taken points now from a, a you know a, an outstanding football team. But we have taken points in games, and we've been in games as well, and that's really key because you know if you're not like Villa last week in the end where they were they were too good on the day in three 0 down after 60 minutes, you're out of the game. It's difficult then, so it's really important for us if we're going to achieve something this year, and we believe we can. 
we have to stay in the game. It's fantastic. I think the starting team today probably cost four or five million quid. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing starting a Premier League game against Liverpool <laughs> and, uh, and getting a point as well. So the players deserve so much credit. You know, the, the board and everyone connected to the club. It should be a really proud day for, for us. We've got the belief. Uh, we have. People out there will say what they want about us and that's, that's cool. That's all right. Um, but our job is to maybe, not our job is to change people's minds. Maybe people will think, oh, they've got something. They're all right. You know, and they're fighting. Uh, they're difficult to beat. They've got some good players. And we've shown all of that tonight. Okay, chaps. A few players we've got to pick out. Well, we've got 11 players to pick out, but we're not going to pick 11 players out. <laughs> it's a long We're going to save some uh, content for future podcasts, I'm sure. First one I want to talk about, Gay Bosche. Did an hour or so at Villa. Ninth, first 90 minutes in the Premier League. Oh, my word. What a footballer. We, sometimes when they're out of the team, you forget how good they are, didn't you? Not yesterday. I mean, he had Salah down that side. Him and Alfie dealt with him. Then when he could get forward, he did get forward, Gabe, and just flawless. It just remembers like the playoff final, the the game against Watford, all the games that he had such meaning in last season. And it's great to have him back. Yeah, what a guy, what a footballer. I mean, you just sort of forget really, don't you, how good he is and how good he's proven to be. Because I don't think when he joined from Reading, he came with much fanfare and I was like, oh, well, didn't really get in the side and he was a bit of a utility man. And then he's found his spot at centre-back and obviously come, in, come into the side right at the right time because barely got any centre-backs whatsoever. Um, but his abilities, his speed, his thought, his, his passion for defending, it's, it's, it's right up there, everything um, with it. And obviously we've spoken to him a number of times as well. So he's a top guy as well. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Even even after I've said all that, I probably wouldn't have expected him to be so good against Liverpool because of who Liverpool are and who the players he's got to mark. And and it's you know, his second game back. Well, exactly. He hasn't and played in six months. It's, it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> That's crazy. It's, it's, I, even, I think even we talked about it um, after last week where we were expecting him to have to have this a period of adjustment because not only you come back for a long injury, which always takes a bit of... Um, time to get up to speed anyway but he's never played Premier League level either but he's just come in and slotted in like take it to it duck to water absolutely yeah. fantastic took the words out of my mouth though. I was going to say that <laughs> <laughs> nicking more jokes another player who's improving all the time Alfie yeah. Doughty oh. Gareth Southgate names his England squad on Thursday and if Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell <laughs> are still injured if Alfie Doughty and I've said this on previous podcasts yeah. and I'll take it to the grave if Alfie Doughty is not in that England squad, Southgate should be asking questions on why. Yeah. I strongly suspect he won't be, though. I don't know why, but I just have this weird feeling that he doesn't play for a big enough club or some bollocks. That and Southgate just with. picks his mates, doesn't he? Well, that's how Slebeck gets in, isn't it? But he's literally just kept the second best player in the Premier League if you give Erlin Haaland the tag of the best one in the Premier League yeah. to nothing. Well, I, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago and most crosses per game or and overall, Alfie. And what do England need in the box? You need service. We've never really had it on the left-hand side in years gone by. I remember at one point we resorted to Steve Guppy because he was in form for Leicester at the time. <laughs> no disrespect to Mr Guppy. He was a class left winger. And he was, but he was all we had. And at one point, it, we even had Paul Scholes playing on the left wing, who's the most central midfielder you'll ever see. 
That's why he quit football, isn't it? International football. Yeah. Like, yeah fuck yeah. this, I'm not going to play yeah, well, well, out there on Paul's cars. Especially when Stevie Gerrard and Frank Lampard, greatest respects to both of them, they can't play together. Behave. Yeah. Do you know exactly. what I mean? I mean, that's an age-old thing and kids watching this and thinking, who fucking hell is Paul's goals? <laughs> well, they're uh, not. They well, they're not, yeah. TNT business. They're um, probably on the YouTube video they watched before this. But, well, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, no, uh, Alfie's certainly got a, a shout I think I do think it will fall on deaf ears though for whatever reason just one of them things but it just surely when you think who he's going to be actually crossing the ball to if he actually got into the England side Harry Kane you've seen what he's been doing in the Bundesliga absolutely ripping it up he gobbled that stuff up it's, it's crazy with Kane as well just to touch briefly on that like the service he's getting I mean there are no mugs and he wasn't getting service off of mugs at Spurs they're still good players but Bayern are just that little bit more amazing and like the German league I don't think it's as strong because it's just buy and win it every year and now they've got one of the best natural finishes doing it but if you've got someone like Alfie Doughty feeding Harry Kane he's still going to score goals and why not why not I mean it probably will fall on deaf ears as I keep saying but the thing with Doughty and we've said it a million times before he just gets better every match just gets better every game he doesn't really have an off day he's always a solid 7-8 out of 10 in my book um it just gets better. I mean, he's defending a lot better. Every every game, he's he, he, he defending a bit better. I'd, I'd have said that was probably his weaker spot, but he's worked on it. His positioning's better. He sort of knows where to be. Um, he can sort of leave a man wide, leave him about 10, 15 yards, 20 yards when the ball's the other other side. But as soon as it switches over, he's right on him. And he's like, yeah, okay, come at me. I'll just stop you. <laughs> but and then, and then he just frightens the life out of people when he goes at him. Gareth, I know you. Li- I know you listen to this podcast, Gareth. <laughs> Pick Alfie Doughty. You know it makes sense. Just to uh, finish off the old Bundesliga theme. Well done to Bochum to getting their first win of the Bundesliga season on Friday night. Good win in a relegation clash and two-one. Um, Luton and Bochum had that friendly, didn't we? Before the season started, we both won our first games of the season away from home, two-one. So well done to them. It's an omen. They're staying up. <laughs> Issa Kabore. Had a bit of stick. We've mm-hmm. not all always been uh, overly complimentary of him, but brilliant, really brilliant on Sunday. Yeah, f- flying up or down, um, stuck in, did all the right things, the simple things as well. Whereas before, I think um, he seemed to always be caught in two minds a lot of the time and not really yeah. knowing what he wanted to do. But I think the game plan. Uh, against Liverpool was so clear that he played it to an absolute T um, and he's got the pace to get up and down and that's what excited us about him in the first few games of the season when we saw him um, and then maybe sort of came off it a little bit and yeah it wasn't we weren't overly convinced I wouldn't say but if he plays like he did against Liverpool for the rest of the season got an absolute player on our hands yeah yep we absolutely have I mean, Liverpool fans must really hate that goal, not just because it was against their team, but it was crafted in Everton, created in Man City and scored in Man United, wasn't it? I mean, of all of, all of the goals. <laughs> the comments. You know, just, uh, just, just saying. So, um, but, but no, Issa, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, if that's the level that he's at for the rest of the season, then... Um, well, don't forget as well, he's, he's still developing, which is why... He, Man City have sent him out on loan again. Obviously, he had a year with was it Marseille in France, 
possible. I don't know much about French football, but it's it's a top level division. It's it's slower. It's, it's yeah. definitely slower. Yeah, but right. but um, then but but and then but to come in to club like Luton, where just come up to the Premier League, you're going to get games at the highest level and arguably the best league in Europe. You're going to come up against some of the world's best players, like we did on Sunday night. Um, these are the games you've got to really like developing and I, I think he does work really hard in, to, to try and develop himself and like like you said James you know he, he we probably weren't all that convinced by him to start with but young players develop and they work on these things every day day in day out and I, th- I think Edwards and, and his team are quite meticulous about detail about stuff I don't think they make too much of an issue of things I think they just sort of say well look, if instead of doing this why don't you try this and then we'll, we'll see how you get on and just sort of work with the player a bit more. And I think I think we're starting to see that from Kabore. I think also, uh, you're missing the one major thing about Kabore, is that he's got absolutely fantastic hair. <laughs> yeah. Why you miss that, though, is because he's nothing on Chong's hair. Oh, well, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, Are we going to do a Supporters Trust hair of, Hairstyle of the Year award? I think I might bring that in. Because yeah. Pelly would have run it, won it in years gone by, I think. I think we might bring that in. Best hair, of, best hair of the season, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, but you know the Alan McCormick could be raving, raging about that. <laughs> yeah. So give us a chance, lads. <laughs> but the the two players that we've just discussed there, Doughty and Kabore, were talking about how they've improved and they keep improving. And I think that shows what this Luton team does. Mm. Those two players that um, you know, Doughty wasn't even inside to start the season, and he had to bide his time, and now he's virtually undroppable. Ryan Giles must be thinking I'm just a bit part player here now at the moment because he can't get in. Yeah. Uh, and Kabore um, started off quite well, dropped off a little bit, improved in that one game. Yeah, it's one game, but you know that's a level now, isn't it? That's where, mm. where you can see where he's where he's got to, and I think that's what this Luton team have to do because they're not signing world class players like Liverpool can. They're signing potential, and you've got to try and do that. At, Maybe incremental um, bits, game yeah. by game, where you improve little bits. Like you talked about Doughty, that, yeah, it may be a bit sus defending, but that seems to be improving as yeah. well now. It's just those little things, and that's that's coaching. I'm convinced of that. Oh, it is. That's why you're appointing one of the best young coaches mm. in the game. Uh, just also to finish up on Kabore, don't underestimate the influence of Andros Townsend in front of him, guiding him through the game and everything. Mm. That would be a, a real help. There's another hill I'd happily die on this season, and that is that Ted and Mengi is a right old footballer. <laughs> uh, I will gladly die on that hill, and he showed why on Sunday, because Nunes, for all of the chances that he got, none of them were, apart from, well, apart from the one, none of them were really clear-cut. I mean, the one that he hit the bar with was just a brilliant take and hit in one motion. It was an early warning as well. But really, Mengi and Lockyer, to be fair, but kept him quiet. And also Mengi obviously had Jota on that side along with Kabore. But whenever he got on the ball, he brought it out, passed it nicely. There is a footballer there. I'm telling you, there's a footballer there. Yeah, I think we knew that anyway, because Luton have a fantastic ability to scout these players. He's, you know, you don't come through the Man United um, academy and not have something about you. Uh, obviously, they haven't spotted it, and hopefully, they're they'll find out. When <laughs> yeah, <a few> <laughs> hopefully, their loss is Luton's gain. But um, yeah, yeah, he, he he does look. His athleticism looks there, um, and 
if you, if you come through a top class Premier League academy, you should be able to play a bit of ball when you go at your feet, and that that seems to be there as well. But I think the I guess the proof of their pudding there was that he has kept those those players relatively quiet. We're not we're not saying that Luton kept them absolutely quiet. It's not no, the case, is it? It's no, not. Well, we it kept wasn't, them it as wasn't quiet, the case at all. But yeah. we kept them as quiet as they're going to be kept for a lot of the season. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, Salah really really quiet game. Um, he did track back though. I remember like somebody saying he didn't Once. track back. So. And Barkley <laughs> ran straight past. Yeah. Him. Um, so what that's all yeah. about. But um, yeah, if you can do that against that that forward line, I mean that's as good as it gets really. Other than you know Man City for you know, prolific goal scorers, it's it's considering some as well bar to set. Considering as well, Edwards was saying before the game, you know we're down to the bare bones defensively because we've got Reese Burke out, um, Anderson's out. And I also remember when Mengi first signed, he, he was meant to be like a squad player and someone that's going to fill in. I mean, if he's just filling in and playing like that, you know, Reese and uh, Mads are going to have to work twice as hard to try and get back in. Yes. And, and, it, and it's good because you've got three centre-halves, well, there's three centre-half positions that largely going to be played for. I strongly suspect we'll stay with a back three because I think that works for us best with this group of players. But whoever steps in, it's a bit like the Doughty and Giles argument as well. Whoever's better defensively and attacking will play. Um, and it's the same with, with the defenders, you know, whoever's performing the best will play until someone has to drop out for an injury or suspension or whatever. But whoever steps in has got to say, right, this is my spot and I'm not letting it go. I think history says that Luton's defenders in the last you know decade, certainly the last two seasons they've done that especially last season it was a bit of a merry-go-round yeah. defensively and whoever came in knew their jobs well and did it well um, so I think yeah we've got quite a good bunch of defenders there just hopefully uh, they all get a bit fitter uh, if you did his FIFA stats you have got them all wrong he wasn't wrong when he said they're all questionable I think he answered a lot of questions they, yeah. he certainly answered a lot of questions they are way too low that is for sure look we've got to finish this podcast with Ross Barkley. <laughs> yes, we touched on him halfway through this podcast. I said, and I've looked back on it when we signed him and we'd done the first podcast on him. I said, if we get 70% of the player that we got at Everton, we've got a world-class footballer who will keep Luton Town in the Premier League. I think he's closing in on 70% of what we got at Everton. Just the way he takes the ball is different to anything I've seen from a Luton player for a long, long time. The way he carries the ball is fantastic. Yes, sometimes he gets caught on the ball because he's looking for that progressive, like we said against Aston Villa, he looks for that progressive pass rather than just the simple... Less so yesterday, though. Less yeah, so yesterday, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. Just everything about it. The only thing we need to do now is fizz those passes into him because he wants to let it run across his body, doesn't he? And then he's off. But it just stops when it gets to his body at the minute, those passes, because that's what we're used to doing in the championship with championship-level footballers. Trust him. Ping that ball into him. He's good enough to take it and he'll, and let him go. And This guy, he's, he's just going to fly for us. I'm absolutely certain of it. They've managed him brilliantly to get him back. Not rushed him, not put no pressure on him, not said to him, look, you're Billy Big Bollocks. You're the main man here. Mm. Go and do it for us. But he's now in that position where you can tell he's enjoying his football. You can tell he trusts the players around him. He's got a relationship that you can see that he's building up with Alfie Doughty. He obviously knows Andros Townsend from England days where they've played together. He is, if Luton stay up this season, this boy is going to be a massive part in it. 
Yeah, he is. And, you know, we, when we first signed him, we knew that he was a little bit off colour in terms of match fitness. And like you just said, they've worked really, really well and got it absolutely spot on with bringing him on here and there. You know, I'm forever hearing people around me say, oh, why has he took him off? Why has he took that person off? You know, he's played really well. It's not always about performance. You've got to look after the player. There's no point in giving Andros Townsend 90 minutes when he hasn't played for 18 months. You just don't do it. And same with, same with Barkley. You know, he hadn't played a lot. He didn't really have a pre-season with us. And this um, is why it was massive that Marvellous went off at Villa last week and not Ross Barkley. Yeah. We said it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Ross Barkley doing that 90 minutes got into his head, yeah, I can do this 90 minutes. It's not as difficult as you know as it used to be or whatever. Mm. It was massive. And then yesterday he was still going right at the end. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a stroke of genius. I mean, as I forget, Ross had played a year in France... Um, wasn't playing that regularly for Chelsea, if I remember rightly, um, because anybody who, who goes to Chelsea and takes the money sort of gets a bit left behind unless you're in Golo Kante or whatever, and, and you, you're just favoured and strayed in. Um, so he's, he's sort of had to reinvent himself, and Luton have kind of given him a lifeline, but it also works for, the, it works for both parties because he's not a Billy Big Bollocks because he wouldn't have signed otherwise because we don't sign Billy Big Bollocks players. We sign people who want to play football, feel they have a point to prove, they've got to get the club and they've got to settle in. If you don't, you don't play. It's, it's as simple as that. And I like that mantra because that's how I'd be if I was a manager. I don't care how good you are. If, you, if your attitude's wrong, get out. And and he's, he's proven every game. Like you say, I said at the start, if he's half the player he was, got a hell of a player on hands and I still maintain that now there'll be a few people watching this that still aren't convinced by him but I think some people what, lot, what people are not convinced by him after I, last right, night I'm just coming on to that <laughs> just coming on to that I think people who aren't convinced by him are only happy when they're moaning about something because they'll always find something to moan oh, if you can't find the joy in that performance last night I don't know why you watch football <laughs> it's going to be so good to watch isn't it? Oh, man, well, so it's like yeah. Kev said that was one of the best midfield performances we've seen in a Luton shirt in, in God knows how many years I, I wasn't old enough or privileged enough to have seen Ricky Hill I vaguely remember David Priest, who was fantastic I remember Kevin Nichols, who was an absolute shithouse and anyone that came near him got a broken ankle <laughs> but he popped in with the odd goal and he was a proper captain captain's captain wasn't he he was a proper footballer um, but Barkley just had that extra bit of class about him and for the generation that I'm in you know we, like I said yeah he is one of the best midfielders we've seen I thought Nick Amber was the best midfielder I'd ever see play for Luton and then <laughs> Barkley's like hold my pint here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no, it's, it's I, been a joy to watch. I thought he was just unbelievable class yeah. yesterday and we have, we have to say as well that Luton didn't have a lot of the ball. No. But when they did have it, they were so effective. And he was at the, at the um, you know, the of it all, everything it? of it. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, he's not only winning the ball back, but uh, there seemed to be last night a lot more composure in tight circumstances. And I haven't really seen that from Luton Town too much this season where they played like some neat little triangles to get out of bother, mm. which is what a lot of teams have done. I was quite impressed the way Spurs did it when they came to Kenilworth Road as well. Yeah, they've not really seen it from from uh, from Luton, but last night it was there, and he was involved in that, and so was Townsend, and that mm. is the Premier League quality. Yeah, our passing accuracy was so much better last night, and those two were uh, heavily involved in that. Just to finish up on Ross Barkley, three tackles, one in the game. That was more than anybody else. Ten times he won possession in the game again, more than anyone else. 
Three of those times were possession one in the final third. That's what Luton used to do in the championship. Yep. Get that ball one high up. Two shots, second in the game. Three uh, successful dribbles, one of which was particularly influential. Again, that was second in the game. These are statistics against Liverpool. And those statistics are all for everyone that was on the pitch. So for him to have that just tells you how well he played when you think that the three that he was up against was World Cup winner McAllister, who annoys me with the space in his name, but that's a different story. <laughs> Gravenberg and Jablozlai. Again, I've murdered his name and I apologise, but they're the, three, they're the three that he was up against. You know, three world-class footballers, World Cup winner, decent Dutch player, top Hungarian player, and he's out on all three. Yeah, he did. Um, he was. It was such a, a classy performance. Um and yeah, he, he sort of epitomised the game plan there. Everything that Luton needed to do was, I spoke to Rob Edwards before the game and he was talking, when he was saying it at the time, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds okay. But what he was saying was, look, we need to attack at the right moments, at the right speeds, at the right times. And you're like, that seems a bit woolly sometimes, doesn't it? But that performance was everything that Ross Barkley did and he help drag everyone to that level as well. Mm. Yep. Brilliant performance from Ross. It's not going to be the last one. I'm absolutely certain of that. He's uh, he's going to be fun for us Luton fans to watch. That I am very much certain of. Just a point though, Dan. Mm-hmm. Not three that we wanted, certainly going into injury time. Just a point, but it's not just a point, is it? It's we've just taken a perfect game plan against the second best team in the country, one of the best teams in Europe who are going to win trophies this season, whichever trophies they may be. Whoever comes to Kenilworth Road now, apart from Man City, we know you've got nothing to fear now. The belief that point is going to give us could be worth 10 points. It it could be, yeah. I mean, you can go on about, like, in any normal game, like, for example, in the Championship, where that's happened, you know, with one nil with 10 minutes to go and then draw one all for 100 minutes of time added on that they had. Um, they'd still be playing now if they didn't score. I'm convinced of that. Um, but you'd see that as two drops. But it is, like you say, it's a valuable point. It's another point on the board. Yeah, all right, it's not the three we wanted and arguably deserved. I think that's, you know, it, it probably was the right result on balance if, if we're being brutally honest. Um, yeah, because they had, they had chances. Let's be, yeah, we have they, to be honest. They had loads yeah, of chances. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kaminsky got man in the match because he stopped them. He kept them shut out right, right to the end. Um, you know, so let's let's not beat around the bush here. You know, they we had we didn't have too many chances. Didn't have a lot of the ball, but we defended well and we counted well, and we got our just rewards with the goal. Um, they had a lot of the possession, controlled the game a lot. Um, didn't get anything till right at the end, and you know that's 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 credit to us. And I th- like you said, any team that comes to Kenilworth Road now, I'll be thinking, "Fuck me, we've got to be on it here." Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and you know, sorry, and it goes again with the atmosphere as well. I mean, apart from all the negative rubbish that's come <coughs> out um, since the game, um, you know, we, we can be the twelfth man. We can make Kenilworth Road intimidating, and we've got to continue to do it, obviously, respectfully. And that should go with it. that should go without saying, regardless of anything. Um, and you know, we can carry on making it the intimidating place we know it is, and it'll get us points. For, for me, I think it it 
in front of the watching world, I think it stops dead this idea that Luton are pushovers. I think the whole of this season has been Premier League people, Premier League teams, Premier League fans saying Luton aren't good enough to be in this division. They need to get straight back down. You mean we're taking this league seriously? Exactly that, that we're taking this league seriously. But I think it's, that is a massive, massive point as well as what um, Edwards was talking about belief. I don't think the belief wasn't there. I think it has been there the whole time. It's always been there. But guaranteed. But what the performance does against that team who didn't come and play a bunch of second stringers is show that Luton are serious in this division. They can mix it. And enough of this crap that Luton aren't good enough because you only have to look at the performances and the results of the three teams that came up and Luton are the top of that tree out of those three sides. And that result yesterday takes them out the bottom three yet again, whereas the other three are sort of other two are struggling. Yeah, that is the point, isn't it? Literally the point that got us out, gets us out the bottom three and you know, who knows where that can take us. Um, That's it for this episode of the podcast. Slightly longer review podcast than what we normally record, but hey, there was quite a bit of fun to (laughs) talk about and that's not always going to be the case. So we don't (laughs) apologise for um, being slightly longer, but we would like to thank everyone for watching or listening. Thank you to the Hightown Club for staging the podcast. Thank you very much to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs and everything that you see. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for your likes. Uh, thanks for everyone who subscribed to the the YouTube channel in particular. Keep enjoying the podcasts, and we'll keep on bringing you as much good content as we possibly can. The next one will be later in the week, which will be the Man United preview podcast. But until then, gents, thanks for joining me. Come on, you atters. Everyone in it has got this massive soul.